thoughts and ideas expressed in this podcast are solely those of the authors and guests of the podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Soberless Thoughts. That man of the night right there is Alex Gorley. And that man that rides the rails all night is Michael Odenberg. These are all... Chugga, 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 soberless thoughts. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Alex, are you drinking tonight? I'm definitely drinking tonight. Yeah, I'm fucking drinking tonight. <laughs> yeah, we get we getting it in. Dude, uh, tonight we're drinking this shit. Uh, and I have, this is another newbie for me. Yeah. The West 6th Brewing Oktoberfest. Donka Chain. Is that what it says? Donka Chain on the can? Yeah, Donka Chain. What does that mean? That means the chain of Donkas. <laughs> <laughs> At the top of the can, it says Donka and then it says cheers. Does it mean cheers? Yeah, because I think that's what Donka means in German. Oh, okay. Uh, I think they say Donkache, but I think it's just one of those like cheers. Maybe they say during o- Oktoberfest, like Donka, and they just drink. Um, Is it Donka or Donke? I actually don't know. It's, that's it. That's one of those things I feel like I need to look that up about Oktoberfest. So this is an Oktoberfest. We've done another one not too long ago. Uh, this one, you know, Four it's... Weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of time of the year these things start coming out. You know, the actual Oktoberfest in Germany and other areas that are German influence all have uh, Oktoberfest, usually around uh, September, October, that kind of time. Yeah. In the years of, in the non COVID years. Yeah, well, they'll still have it. You don't stop people from drinking. I heard it was canceled in Germany. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Yeah, they'll still do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right. Let's see. I'm I'm curious now. They, they're doing it. What? Huh? How? Who? Oktoberfest 2020 will not take place due to the Corona pandemic. Told you, dude. And it's got a crying, sad guy with a mustache and lederhosen on. Yeah. I think that's in Munich. They might just take to the streets regardless. All drunk. Probably. You're right. That's yeah, right. nothing bad happens when that happens. Bunch of drunk people taking the streets. <laughs> uh, well, ours, the ones we got tonight are a little further away from Germany, a little closer to home. This is the West Six Brewery, home here in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, West Six makes their Oktoberfest using Munich caramel and Melaoiden. Uh, hop, a malt with a little bit of a Liberty hops. It is 5.5% alcohol. So it's a good, uh, it's a good solid beer. I love Oktoberfest. Uh, tasting notes wise, this grain bill has notes of biscuit, toast, and bread crust. The hops are a traditional uh, pairing, essentially. Um, and they say that good food pairings are sausage and pork. Well, that's kind of fucking weird considering. That's all they serve at Oktoberfest. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's meant for it or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like they planned that. Uh, But yeah, no, no. I I love Oktoberfest. It's always been one of my favorite. I've always liked amber beers with a little bit of flavor. Bread-like beers, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I want to drink it and taste the calories. You like this better or less than the uh, Sam Adams Oktoberfest? Well, yeah, let's try it real quick, and I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> Cheers. 
That's good. Yeah. I uh I feel like this one is a little bit easier to drink. Uh but I feel like the other one had a little bit more pizzazz to it. Like a little had a little that little something extra. That it factor. That's probably why it's been one of the most popular Oktoberfests in the States. I feel like this one is a little bit is slightly a little bit more bitter than the other one. Uh probably. I've noticed a lot of West Six beers tend to have a little bit more bitter bite. They love their hops. Like my wife is not the biggest fan when we go to the brewery because it's like even their normal everyday beer still has a little bit of extra bitter hoppiness to it. So yeah, I could see that. But no, I will still crush like four or five of these. I don't really taste the breadcrumbs in it though. Or was I supposed to smell that? I mean, that was more tasting notes, so I think that was just what you were supposed to taste. What do breadcrumbs taste like anyways? (laughs) 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 I mean, dude, they've got... You can go to the store, go into the baking section, and they will have a jar of breadcrumbs. And you can basically just, you know, you can wrap you some chicken in it, throw it on some beef, fry that fucker up, Yeah, but you don't eat it until Um, it's fried. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, you, you could. I was wanting to know, do they make breadcrumbs by just like letting the bread get stale and they tear it up or do they toast it first? And like, you know, we've all like toasted the shit out of bread and you just keep rubbing it and like breadcrumbs keep falling off of it. Like, is that what it's made out of? I don't know what it's made out of. I think it's just old nasty bread that they just rip up and they throw into a shredder and it comes out the other side and gets jarred. Yeah. Yeah. Make, Sounds like a plan. Yeah, we'll make some money off of that. Add that. Add that to the uh, to the bottom line. Waste yeah. not, want not. <laughs> the bread factory is just emptying their dust trays and throwing it in these things. That's right, man. <laughs> that's what they make sense. That's how they make hot dogs and shit. <laughs> Dogs of the breadcrumbs and the meat world. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, dude. What's funny is, like, you you cut out for just a second right before you said that, and then when you came back, it was like Alvin the Chipmunk said. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> the video had a, the audio had to catch up real quick. Break comes on, break on the hot dogs at the meanwhile. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, basically, you're right. Yeah. Breadcrumbs are the hot dogs of the bread world. Yeah, you damn right. Uh, and tonight we're uh, going to talk about something that um, is a little more on the on the, the serious note uh we're going to talk about hobos <laughs> was that just me or did you pause during that you're like hobos no i think it's our internet connection getting wonky again on us are you tired of not getting pregnant 
Do you ever wish that you had a bunch of illegitimate children like your favorite rock star or professional athlete? Does your husband not want kids, but you do? Well, try Holy Man brand condoms. See, our patented state-of-the-art technology does not allow for any wasted semen. Our famous mesh-tipped condoms help to funnel and allow every swimmer to become an Olympian. So when people don't respect your religion and make you grab for a condom, then you grab a Holy Man brand condom. When a little miracle needs to happen. Hobos, the uh, the quality of life that hobos have is something that basically is unparalleled throughout society. That's right. We love our hobos, <laughs> right, Alex? That's right. I can't get enough of hobos. I I feel like I like to bathe with hobos. <laughs> If there was a hot tub somewhere, I'd like to get into one with a hobo. Yeah. I invite hobos to shower with me on a regular basis. Yeah. I feel like all of my interactions with hobos have all been uh, water-related up to this point. I don't know how many hobos I've actually had contact with, to be honest with you. Uh, What? I'm sure I've had some. I've... I've met like homeless people and talked to them and stuff like that. What? Well, that's what I was going to ask. What qualifies somebody to be a hobo? So, and I feel like that's uh, a derogatory term. See, I was thinking the same thing, and I like I, out of all the stuff I've been listening to and reading about, they just keep slapping that hobo around, and it's just like because for some reason, like in our politically correct times. For some reason, I'm like weird about the term hobo. Like, is it bad? Like, does one do homeless hobos give a shit being called hobos? Because they're the only ones that matter. I don't give a shit what some lady with a house thinks. Like, <laughs> they're the, oh, they're the only. Wait a minute, Alex. And did I, Alex? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You just said hobo. Does he give a fuck? Then who you just said hobos are the only ones that matter. Hobo 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 lives matter. Alex. (laughs) Yeah. Listen. Listen, we need to we need to correct this. We need to we need to make a stand right now on one way or the other. We need to we need to verify our fucking platform here. What, which way are we going with this? <laughs> I think hobo is fine because I googled it and the shit comes up. All right, all right. Well, this from now on, hobo is a clearing politically correct. Okay, that's what we're going with until I get told otherwise <laughs> by someone else higher up than me, I guess. Um, but yeah. If you disagree, uh, email <laughs> yeah. us at serverlessthoughts at gmail.com and let us know the correct terminology that's politically correct for hobos. <laughs> but until then, so hobos. <laughs> uh, well, uh, all right. So everything I've watched, they, uh, they, it's, it's not just like they call it hobo culture and all this. And the original term um, was actually was 
not derogatory by any means back in the day because this all kind of started kind of where it originally started was after that a lot of guys um, all over the united states are looking for work well and if they don't can't find anything to do in their town or wherever they're at well some of them would just start hopping on trains and traveling to other cities to find work and they would work for however long the work was there and then once it dried up well then they would just hop on the train and go to the next place and that's kind of where it started they were essentially migrant workers or homeless vagrants is what the kind of definition term is from wikipedia um and is like hobo short for something or i don't know i was an acronym for something uh Homeless bums. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you never know. Uh, so, all right. So, here's a theory I found. So, this is bearing bearing in the mind that a hobo traditionally has been a migrant worker, not simply a vagrant. It comes from the term ho-boy, meaning H-O-E, boy, is a uh, migratory farm worker, someone that would come in and do work that they didn't want to do which would be like hoe the garden hoe the farm which just means like to dig up the dirt and like you know get rid of weeds and stuff like that so it was just something that they could easily do and get paid for and leave right that was one theory they said there was another derives from the expression hey bow bow being a so uh so bow being a like a corruption of the french word Bow, like B E A U, like a dandy, like a like a fancy boy. Yeah, or it comes from Ho Boy, which apparently is a railroad man mail handler in the northwestern U.S. who yelled when, uh, I guess the mail was coming or some shit like that. There, these are all theories, but I kind of like the the Ho Boy, which makes sense because. A lot of them did work just wherever they could. Are all hobos like uh, supposed to be like part of the railroad? Is that part of the hobo culture? Riding the riding the rails? Yes, riding the rails. Because so there's three terms here that on this definition that they wanted the. Some people some say these are all the same, and some say that they're different. I guess if you're in the in in the culture you'll see it but so there's hobos there's tramps and there's bums looked for work uh unlike a tramp who only who works only when forced to and a bum is someone who does not work at all and just basically is just travels and so a hobo is someone that is like going after to better themselves. How's a how's a how's a tramp forced to work? Basically, if um, so, a lot of this culture of them traveling these rails back in the day, you know, when you go to areas, if you are not being a part of the society, police or you know local people might kick you out or they won't help you. So, you know, if like the tramp for say, let's say like, I don't know, like they needed food or they needed money or whatever. Uh, they would basically, I feel like they were more like they would just try to survive on what they had. And the minute they ran out, 
then they would just try to like they would have to go work just to get a little bit of money to then survive for like another couple days and a hobo was more like they would work hard and try to get as much money as they could and then they could live off that and then get to the next place and they would actually have more of a savings built up so hobos are better financially <laughs> uh better financial planners types and the tramps are just people that are like ah shit i'm only got five bucks in my pocket and i gotta go buy a i don't know a 40 and go drink it so let me go work some go do some odd end jobs and that way i can have one tomorrow so and i think hobos tend to be a little maybe a little bit better put together uh but that was definitely uh some of the the lore to them is that they you know would travel around the the main reason everyone did this by the way i was kind of getting ahead of myself is that back then after the civil war till probably mid 60s one of the best and fastest way to move around for free would be to hop on trains especially turn of the century the fastest way was trains so that's where you would just and they go to every major city so it'd be the best way to travel across america and at the same time you got to see america for free yeah i mean that's if i didn't have a family and i didn't have any kind of responsibilities or maybe i was running <laughs> from the law or that something, was yeah that's exactly what i would do yeah now don't get me wrong there were would definitely be people that would be running from the law and they just went well i'll just go be a hobo for till the ship every single one of them did but hey if the shoe fits <laughs> uh i will say reading all this stuff it kind of made yeah. me like go if i was 20 years old again and i didn't like i wasn't going to school or i didn't have anything going on Part of me seemed like that would be kind of cool to do, to just jump on a train and just go. Uh, hey, around like, you know, there's there's been a couple books printed out and stuff like that about the, the hobo culture and stuff like that. But at one point in American history, that was a weird thing. This is part of American history because around the Great Depression, there was a lot of people. I think there was something like, like hundreds of thousands of people were riding the rails and it was just to just to find work because you know the economy had collapsed it was actually after the great depression wow people had to do something to work and feed themselves so a lot of them just started riding the rails and kind of becoming hobos just living out of their you know camping gear so it is kind of a americana history the interesting part of it is that uh like i said like it, it there was actually a sect of hobos that were considered professionals like people looked at them as professional hobos and like that was their job hobo culture man hey dude don't they have hobo like they have their own hieroglyphics or some shit did you get into that yeah. at all that's actually what brought me to the hobo culture in the first place was really and I, yes because me and a guy at work were talking about this and it was actually so interesting to me because uh, we so we were talking about it and I've seen them before in different things and they're talking about they would mark different areas of town or like you know on the rails when you got off let's say you got off at a train station uh, yeah and by the way getting on and off the rails is fucking hard 
we'll go into that in a second, but let's say you get off the rails, you go into town, well, you would look for certain things, markers, and it would tell you certain things about the town. Like if there was work there, if there was food, if people uh, gave away things, if they didn't, if these people were kind hearted, if uh, there were uh, areas that you need to stay away from, people to watch out for. There's actually, I'm kind of looking through the signs right now. There's one that says talk religion to get food. Oh, wow. So, and it was all ways for them because, you know, they didn't all go together. So it was ways for yeah. them to communicate with each other going, hey, this is what I found out. If you go in here and do this, you can get this. Uh, and it also tell you ways to get out of town, get into town. Um, <laughs> there was one that says man with a gun. So maybe stay away. Barking dog. <laughs> uh, just different areas. Well, the whole the whole reason I even thought about this is my mom always told me the story that her grandmother, so my great-grandmother, lived uh, by some railroad tracks. And hobos would come along and my grandmother would feed them, but only by this tree. She had like a little table and a chair. And if they came along, she would tell them to go sit out there. Then she would just, like, usually she had like a pot of you know, soup or beans or whatever the hell they were eating that day. And she would just pour some of these guys a bowl and give it to them. Sometimes she'd make them work for it, like do odd and end jobs. Like, hey, I need someone to go do this. Go go into town and get me this, bring it back, and uh, I'll feed you kind of thing. Right. Uh, and my mom always said she never understood how they all knew to come to her house. And it wasn't until I told her about this. She's like, well, that would make sense. Like, that's how, like, somewhere along the train tracks in that in the town, someone had wrote this on, like, a tree or something by her house. So they would all go in there and, like, knock on the door. Right. And then she was known to be someone that was actually, like, would feed them and work them kind of thing. Hell, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah. Go and to like, this my, house. Basically, and my great grandmother would never like would basically put the fear of God into my mom and them being her grandchildren. Like, don't get near them and don't talk to them because they could yeah. be weirdos. You know, you never know. Yeah, stranger uh, danger. Basically, um, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, the the hobo glyphs, which I think are super interesting. I think also another thing we should probably, after this episode airs, we should throw it on there just for people to check out. I've actually uh, saved a couple pictures just because I thought they were so interesting because they are kind of like yeah. the original graffiti. Yeah, I mean if you think about it, kind of what it drives from is people writing on things to give each other their signs. Oh. But none of it, like it doesn't, it doesn't like specifically say, go to this house and get some food. It's all like, like hieroglyphics. No. Oh yeah, they're they're very simplified. Maybe is the best term for it because like the one that says talk religion to get food, it's literally just a cross, and then a kind-hearted woman is a very crude picture of a cat with like the body of a circle and like a little squiggly tail and like two stick figure legs. Um, or 
There's another one. Uh, the way out is literally a circle with an arrow sticking out of it. Or uh, a rich gentleman is a triangle. To the left of the top of the triangle is a little hat. Well, yeah, I guess it also has to be something that you can easily carve into a tree or something, though, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't just uh, put that shit anywhere. Yeah, you can't be trying to draw Mona Lisa's into the bark of a fucking oak. You know what I'm saying? There's also something else that kind of came along later that if you were looking to try to find a hobo, they actually started using like, they called them like monikers or something like that, where it was their own stylized way of like putting on graffiti. Like first it started off in these towns and as it progressed, as anything does, evolution happens. Well, then they started putting them on train cars and even rail workers started putting their own monikers and you can like, I don't know if you ever watched train cars go by, you'll see. And to this day, graffiti artists will tag cars with their art on it. And no matter what it is, it technically is a form of uh, art writing or messaging. There's always a message with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it just always seemed super interesting. The original ones, like, it was not just the hobo signs telling you about the town. Sometimes they would leave a marker. And uh, what it usually was was some kind of moniker that had, like, their name or some kind of weird thing about them like i felt like you know uh like the nicknames of hobos like you kind of make up like baked bean ben, ben or something like that or like right. old stinky jock <laughs> stinky sock joe or some shit like that like <laughs> like there was some real reality like some realness to that right one eye wailing yeah there you go uh <laughs> the uh but all these things were like carved into stuff and they would leave it behind, like especially if they slept somewhere, they would might write whatever it was. And some of the names I've I found that were like people that actually still live today was like, uh, well, this is actually examples, but like uh, Slim Jim, like Jim Slim, or Kid Sonona, or Tulsa Tim. It, like it either told something about the person, like their physical status, how old they were, or where they're from. So it always said something about it. Right. If they did the moniker, though, what they usually would do was put that name and they'd put an arrow in whichever direction they were heading. And then in there somewhere, they'd put north, south, east, or west. So N, S, E, or W. Uh, And it kind of lets you know, and usually the date. So it told you when they were there, where they're going, and when their next stop's going to be so you can go find them. So if you wanted to track track down a hobo, you could actually they left like a little calling card oh wow so it was kind of like a neat way to uh kind of find them yeah uh, now I, I do gotta tell you there was a code of ethics uh, there was a book that was written by a guy named uh, a number one or a and one um, back in the day who kind of like broke some of the stuff out some people believe it, some people don't, but there was like a code of ex- ethics that he talked about in this book. It's I'd have to find the book to post it for anybody, but uh, this, these are people that would be considered professional hobos. And yeah. here's the co- 
code of ethics for you, all right? Yeah. Uh, number one, or you know what? We'll just start at one and go down. Number one, uh, decide your own life. Don't let any person run to run or rule it for you. So that's kind of the hobo lifestyle. That's why I think so many people love to do it and are encapsulated by it. The freedom. That is the American dream. That's right. The freedom to go do whatever you want. That's right. As married men, we do not have such freedom. Now, we gave up that a while ago. Uh, (laughs) So we are not hobos. No. I will say, so in doing all this research real quick, there was, you know, we've talked about all the old school ones and it kind of died out. And honestly, hobo culture is dying off. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with... um, people just don't use trains like they used to and plus you can get a car ride or an airplane ticket like across you know wherever like there are people that just go to Hawaii as homeless people and they land and they have no way to get home and they just stay so technically they're hobos if you think about it they're airplane hobos Um, (laughs) um, but yeah uh, they etched their little moniker into the back of the seat that they were sitting in yeah yeah I'm gonna start doing that just start putting my moniker on shit when I'm traveling yeah. uh, <laughs> now, what you need to do is you need to get some of these serverless thought stickers and start sticking those on everything everywhere you go you damn right um, <laughs> the uh, Oh, what I was going to say was, but I, I saw something about millennials and hipsters are falling into the hobo lifestyle again, like starting to ride tra- like ride the rails. And it's just because they are so enthralled with the hobo culture that they're like, let's just do it, bro. Like, yeah. I know I have a trust fund and I can pay for a car ride, but let's go ride the rails. <laughs> <laughs> just to say we can yeah, let's go try and jump on this train that's going by at 60 miles an hour. It's yeah. cool. We can do it. Which uh, I, I'll get into this more here in a second, but some of the old timers are like, yeah, this shit's way more dangerous today than it used to be. Uh, oh, yeah. The old steam engines, they were like, they start up and they're like, chug it, chug it, chug it, chug it. And they gradually build up to speed. And they're like, these new trains, shit, they're at full speed in two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, we'll we'll get into more of that here in a second. But so more codes of ethics. Uh, number two, when in town, always respect the local laws, officials, and try to be a gentleman at all times. Uh, okay. Mainly because the goal is to not draw attention to yourself. You don't mm. want, as a hobo, you don't want anyone to know you're there, unless you want them to know if they're going to give you food or money. So the best, the, they're almost like homeless ninjas. Uh, <laughs> they don't want you to know that they're there and they want to get in and out because right. if you know if more people know about them they might get made fun of they might you know shit they get beat up uh, ran out of town get put in jail like there there's a lot of things that could happen to someone by themselves you know maybe a psychopathic murderer or somebody comes after them or something uh, you never know right so number three don't take advantage of someone who is in a vulnerable situation, locals or hobos. So that is kind of a nicety of it. So they, you know, their bottom, you know, they're like, look, beggars can't be choosers. Don't take advantage of people. I get it. That just brings more unwanted attention to the style, to the lifestyle. 
Right. Um, Don't go into town and start robbing people. Basically. Because you're going to ruin it for other hobos. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Always try to find work, even if temporary. Always seek out jobs nobody wants. By doing so, not only helps a business along, but ensures employment should you return to that town again. That's right. That one's pretty selfish. That's the, the, hey, it's Timmy, the guy who picks up all the dog shit. Hey, Timmy. Yeah. Man, we've been waiting on you. (laughs) That's right. We got that whole back Um, nine. We got to have that cleared (laughs) out, buddy. Yeah. Have fun. We had dog days last week. Um, Let's see. Uh, when no employment is available, make your own work by using your added talent at crafts. I feel it should say talent or crafts. So basically, just make money how you can. Uh, <laughs> this one is funny. Uh, do not allow yourself to become a stupid drunk and set a bad example for locals treatment of other hobos. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you can get drunk just don't be a stupid drunk in front of the locals yeah that's right you're going to be stupid drunk stay on the train yeah yeah all right number seven when juggling in town uh respect handouts do not wear them out any hobo will be coming along who will need them as badly if not worse than you. Uh, so basically just don't keep, don't burn people out on free stuff. Right. Don't be that guy at, at the supermarket that gives out free samples and just keeps eating all the shit. Uh, uh, we trying to say, buddy, <laughs> we trying to say, I'm just saying, you, is that a fat joke? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's saying at least make a lap and come back. <laughs> all right. The, um, dude, I, for lunch, me and a couple of guys went to this grocery store. It's no longer around. I think Kroger bought them out or something. It was called Lucky's Market. And it uh, it was like a wannabe Whole Foods, but they gave out so many free samples during lunch that we would go in there for lunch and I would just walk around and get one free sample of every damn thing. And I wouldn't have to eat as much later. <laughs> yeah, man, like that's they, a good idea. Yeah, it's it pretty awesome. Uh, let's see. Number eight, always respect nature. Do not leave garbage where you are jungling. What the fuck? That's the second time I've seen that jungling. I guess that just means when you come into town. J-U-N-G-L-I-N-G. Jungling. Uh, Yeah, I saw that somewhere else. Being professional hobos always would leave a clean campsite. That way, no one knew it was a campsite that was local but also it was respectful of the next hobo. So it's just a way to keep the culture under wraps because, you know, if you're a slob, the next guy might screw the next guy over. Number nine, if in a community jungle, always pitch in and help. So, you know, help when needed. Join the local fire department, uh, community, that kind of thing. Number 10, try (laughs) to... (laughs) Number 10, try to stay clean and boil up whatever possible. Boil up, like boil the water I would say so boil up water to maybe clean clothes also to drink maybe not both at the same time but yeah 
Number 11, when traveling, ride your train respectfully. Take no personal chances. Cause no problems with the operating crew or host road railroads. Act like an extra crew member. Uh, this is actually a big thing with hobos. That So there is actually police of the railroads. And the hobos called them bulls. You don't want to get caught by the bull. Oh, you'll get the horns. Yeah. Um, and it's literally police officers that just monitor the railroads. Uh, nowadays, now the the crew of the railroads will actually monitor too. And if they see you on it, they'll call the bull and pull over miles down the road. And then the cops will come down and put, pick you off, give you citations, or they'll take you to jail. Oh, shit. So... Back in the day, it wasn't, I think, as big of a thing uh, because, you know, like rail rail areas weren't like off limits like they are now. Now they're like federally off limits kind of thing. Uh, probably like airplane uh, runways and stuff like that. Probably not as extreme, but they uh, they don't they don't want strangers there because you know you could get hit by a train or ran over or something like that. And if you're trying to jump on them, you know, accidents happen. Uh, right. I will also say they also didn't want to get caught by the bulls back in the day, though, because back when, like, Depression era, uh, they would fucking shoot people if they were on the railroads, and they had no qualms about it. Damn. They were like, the, the cops were like, yeah, go ahead, shoot them. Get them the hell off the train. It's not their train. They so, <laughs> it, so there was a little bit more skill involved, I think, back in the day, too. Well, you said they were ninjas. Basically. Yeah, they got to be invisible. Yeah. Number 12, do not cause problems in the train yard. Another hobo will be coming along who will need passage through the yard. So as long as everybody's cool with it, uh, that kind of thing. Don't be a rowdy asshole. Uh, This one takes a a wild turn. Number 13, uh, do not allow other hobos to molest children. Expose all molesters to authorities. They are the worst garbage to infest any society. Damn. So, so they have a code of conduct. So good for them. I'm actually, you know yeah. what? Good for, good for hobos. I, they're like they're good people. That's right. Also, might be why my grandmother wouldn't let my mom and all her sisters go near the hobos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> and actually, in the in the in a similar note number 14 was help all runaway children try to introduce them to oh try to induce them to return home huh. so basically try to if they run away try to talk them into going back right like you don't want this lifestyle but <laughs> I'd say that's probably also why the the one before it was what it was if there's a bunch of runaway kids yeah uh, so that makes sense uh, number 15, help your fellow hobo whenever, wherever needed. You may need their help someday. I get that. I like this. It's a very, uh, I don't know. You do good, you get good things back kind of culture society, I guess. Yeah. Should we incorporate this into our religion? The hobo? <laughs> the <Yeah>. hobo. <laughs> the hobo society? The, the, ho- the hobo code of conduct? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's 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 kind of a very uh, like I said, like you do good, you get good things back. Very karma. Uh, right. It's all. It's very much about. What's well, funny? It's very much like do good things to the communities, 
help your fellow man, call out anyone that's doing things that are bad. And basically, they do all of this just to stay under the radar. None of this said to do it because it was the right thing to do. It was like, yeah, because you'll draw attention to us. <laughs> right. But at the same time, they're doing good things. So I'm like, I can't, I can't be mad at them. But they just, well, they just want to ride the rails, bro. Maybe our Jesus-like figure in the Church of Agmo will be a hobo. Hobo. Yeah. I mean, he could be <laughs> he could be a hobo. The you know whoever it is that we you know cr- that we make up that yeah. is our Jesus-like figure in our religion. He could have been a hobo from you know nineteen ten. Are we having just one? We can't have like a pantheon and one being have, the hobo god. Yeah, we can have <laughs> we can have a whole pantheon. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the uh, where was uh so the what was the last one? Help your fellow hobo whenever you did. Whenever, 15. wherever needed. Yeah, you need their help someday. Fifteen, sixteen. If present at a hobo court, you have testimony, give it. Whether for or against the accused, your voice counts. So, so they, they have hobo courts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. How much would you pay to watch that fucking episode of Judge Judy? Dun, dun, dun. Hobo court. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Everyone rise for the honorable... Baked bean, <laughs> Judge <laughs> Baked Beans. All right, tune, tune, tune. <laughs> you, Slimy Larry, have been accused <laughs> of being slimy. <laughs> oh uh, my God, dude! I want to see a hobo court, man. This this be great, epic. So this says that hobo court are governed procedures at hobo court, but has waned in numbers and hobos such as gatherings are now uncommon and non-existent. It might have been something that was something that happened a lot more uh, back in the day when this was considered a profession or like a like not a terrible thing. Now it's just they just seem as like homeless people traveling kind of thing. Um, but they almost needed an underground society to govern said Back things. It was a legitimate yep. lifestyle. Yeah. That way, you know, they just didn't have people running amok, stealing, robbing, killing, murdering, raping, all that. Um, and Because, you know, all that just makes their right. their lifestyle look bad. Which I got to say, hobo culture in general, you know, it seems, like I said, I've actually had kind of a new respect yeah. for them. Like they have a, a good sense of you do good to get good things back. If you don't fuck with people, they won't fuck with you, which is one part just being a good person. One part, you know, people don't come knocking on your door fucking with you when you're just trying to live life day at a time, which is probably one of the most probably hardest things about it is the day-to-day life of like trying to find food. But then if you have like a town that just hates hobos because someone came through that was an asshole, well, then it just makes your life harder, 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 harder. 
You know what a washcloth is. You know what a loofah is. You even know what a fupa is. But Agmo Industries presents the Bufa, a cleaning sponge made from 100% all-natural organic back hair. Yes, I said it, back hair. This coarse material helps to exfoliate and gets rid of dry, dead skin. We go to our local day spa and acquire the best hair to give you the better quality product. So, if you want to take your shower to the next level, you get the Bufa. Hey, Mike, what else can it be used for? Have you ever heard of daddy issues? Boofa. Boofa. Uh, you know, you were talking about the glyphs. Yeah. You know, there was a bunch of hobo terminology, and I'm looking at a bunch of it. Uh, like I said, the bull was the, the rail cop. Uh, like, for instance, a banjo was a small portable fryer, uh, frying pan. Uh, the big house was the prison, which that's, you know, we've all heard of that. Uh, boil up is actually specifically to boil one's clothes to kill lice in their eggs, generally to get oneself as clean as possible. So that's what boiled up means. Uh, bullets are beans. <laughs> Uh, a buck? What do you think a buck is? A Catholic priest, good for a dollar. Yeah, whatever that means. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, California blanket? You know what this is? This one's not oh, too... wow. Yeah, California blankets. He'll give you a dollar. Uh, no, well, no, this is lingo, not graphics. Um... What do you think a California blanket is? A California blanket. How do you draw that? I feel like this is a, an easier one if you think of. Oh, okay. <laughs> it is a newspaper intended to use for bedding on a park. Oh, somebody will give you a nice warm hug. Like a park bench. You know, you ever seen homeless people sleep with like newspapers? Is the pretty much that. Uh, an easy mark is someone that you can get a uh, good night's sleep or food from. Um, yeah, like your grandma? Yeah, basically. She was an easy mark. Um, graybacks. <laughs> graybacks are lice. <laughs> um, to grease the train. or I'm sorry. To grease the track is to run over by a train. To be ran Ooh. over by a train. Yeah, you don't want to grease the track. Yeah. Um, a punk is a young kid. A a Pullman is a railroad sleeper car. Most were once made by George Pullman Company. A uh, nickel note was a $5 bill. I'm trying to think if there's any other ones. A Sky Pilot was a preacher or minister. That makes sense. Snipes were cigarette butts. Oh, shit. You get about 47 snipes, you got yourself a pack <laughs> of cigarettes. Damn right. Uh, a toque blanket is drinking alcohol to stay warm. <laughs> I guess it's a type of wine. Yeah, I've done that before. Yeah, I think we all have. Um, padding the hoof was to travel by foot. Hot shot. A train with proprietary freight stops rarely, goes faster, synonymous with cannonball. Huh. Chuck a dummy. 
Chuck a dummy was to pretend to faint, I guess, if shit was going down. So that's us being hobo. So now we know the etiquette. Now we know the lingo. And now we know what to look for. Uh, I'll tell you one place we could go. And that is Brit. Uh, oh, shit. Wyoming? Was that what it was? Oh, my God. I forgot the state. And I didn't write this shit down. Anyway, there's a city called Brit. <laughs> <laughs> And they host the National Hobo Convention. Yeah. And it used to be in Chicago and in, oh, like the 40s or 50s or something like that. They took it from Chicago and um, convinced them 1940s. 1940s Brit talked hobos and had their first one, and over 1,800 hobos showed up. Oh, damn. Yeah. And now they have an annual festival every year. Dude, we, that's something we got to go to. Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh, and uh, that and the, the Bigfoot Festival. Oh, dude. Yeah. This is our summer vacation. <laughs> um, some real life hobos that used to ride the tracks that actually, oh, by the way, at the National Hobo Convention, they, they, honor, they honor all the old hobos and they actually make them like crowns out of like Folger coffee cans. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, uh, but some of them that they interviewed on this video I was watching, this was their nicknames. Frog, uh, Hobo Spike, Wrong Way. <laughs> I like the Wrong Way one. Uh, yeah. But those are like real guys. And they were talking how this has kind of been a little bit more in recent years, more family friendly. And some of the old hobos, like, you would have never seen, you know, families here. You would never see people playing, you know, at our old hobo community. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was just people living and just trying to get by. And a lot of the, uh, a lot of way to learn at these hobo things would actually be talking to people. And that's how you learn about the glyphs, the language, where to go, uh, Back in the day, turn of the century, that's how they figured out what work was. If someone just came from there, they go, "There's work there. There's none there." All right, man. What would your uh, what would your hobo name be, dude? I was fucking thinking about this. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I don't know. Oh, shaky leg, Alex. <laughs> shaky leg. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like I already got a hobo name because I. Uh, like from my high school, I, uh, I, I, I think I said this on here one time, but I, I dated this girl when I was like in middle school, and her dad knew my last. He was like, "Oh, are you a Gorley?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Man, I knew." I was like, "Are you one of those Gorleys over on the fort?" I'd be like, "What?" And he goes, "Are you one of those greasy Gorleys from the fort?" And I told my friends that. Well, fuck me if the next thing you wouldn't know, they started calling me Grease. <laughs> so I got called Greasy all through high school, probably all through college, whenever I went back to my hometown. Uh, and they just, I just hear it. Like, hey, what's up, Grease? I'm like, what's up, man? <laughs> so uh, I think I would be Grease. That would be my hobo name. Yeah, Grease. Greasy. Yeah. Yeah, Greasy. Greasy Gorley. Hell yeah, man. I think my hobo name would be the same as my uh, name that I came up with if I was ever to be a UFC fighter. <laughs> and, uh, that's uh, train wreck Odenbeck. <laughs> I like that. What's up, train wreck? 
Yeah. Dude. I'm signing out as greasy and train wreck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just fits with the hobo lifestyle, you know? It does, man. We were born to live this <laughs> shit, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I'll meet you out on I-70 whatever. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Our next um, couple picture that we do for Soberless Thoughts should be on some railroad track somewhere with like a good wooded background. <laughs> Let me tell you about uh, this tramp that I know about that I just I just listened to this book. Actually, yeah. for the second time around now, I've listened to this book. It's called The Man from the Train. Okay. And and uh, it's who's it wrote by? It's wrote by a a statistician for like a baseball statistician basically um bill james yeah so bill james is the author of this book called uh the man from the train and he actually hired his daughter rachel to help him with some of the research for it and writing but uh basically it goes through from the late 1800s from 1897 to 1920 this guy uh would basically he was a hobo he was riding around on the train yeah and uh he was the one that was leaving the skull and crossbones uh marks (laughs) all right no this motherfucker he killed hundreds of people potentially Damn, and what and like definitely the most prolific serial killer in American history. Shit. And so what he would do was he'd ride. He was a basically like a lumberjack, and he would work up in like Seattle or like up in Washington in the Oregon area. Yeah. And then he'd ride, he'd ride the track, the rails all the way down to like Arizona, and like the winter months. And he'd be down in that area, and then in the summer months, he'd start heading back up north and work up there logging and shit, like find jobs logging. Yeah. But what this guy would do is he would find victims that were within walking distance of the railroad tracks. He would basically uh, spy on them during the day like hide out somewhere close to the farm or wherever it is it was it seemed like it was always like a farmhouse yeah and he'd hide out in like an outbuilding or something like that and watch them and uh come up with a game plan as to how he was going to murder these people and then at night he'd wait till right about midnight and he'd either sneak like break into the house or like one of the people of the house would come outside for whatever reason or because back then they had like uh they had outhouses and shit you know they didn't have indoor plumbing yeah so like whatever reason the person would come outside or for whatever however he would get into the house he'd then get into the house and he would take an axe that he found on the property because all these all these houses back then they all had to chop their own wood right yeah and that was actually how he would make money was he would 
be a hired hand uh, when he wasn't killing somebody as like a log splitter. Anyways, he'd he'd take their own axe or a neighbor's axe or wherever he could find an axe close to his house, go in and uh, bludgeon the people to death with the with the back end of the axe. Damn. Yeah, not the sharp end, yeah, but what, the, the the back end. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man. So uh there's like a couple famous murders that uh that happened that I've actually listened to like they had uh a couple of these uh like true crime podcasts that you listen to. Yeah. And they like um, one of them talked about one of these murders where it was a family of five had like three little kids and the the, the parents, you know. Yeah. And it just fucking just annihilated all of them, hit them all like and basically he the <laughs> it just took one swing because he's this burly dude fucking chopped but wood he, for a living i was gonna say chopped wood all damn day he probably knew how to he's probably one of those guys that could like ring the bell and then some at a county fair with that shit oh yeah easily yeah yeah so it only took one hit to the head with the back end of an axe and you're fucking done it completely oh. smashes your entire head in yeah so and so i mean he would like other like he would he would kill somebody in one room and he'd do it. He'd hit him so hard and so fast in the head. It just one hit would kill him, and it wouldn't even wake anybody else up in the house. Damn! They just sleep right through it. And he'd just move on to the next, move on to the next room. Bam! Yeah. Move on to the next room. Bam! Well, he had an affinity for uh, for underage girls. Uh. So a lot of times he would find a house where it was an underage girl living there and then he'd kill the whole rest of the family and then fuck with her and like wake her up <laughs> and then wait until she was awake and then kill her and then like jerk off on top of her. Damn. Yeah. That's fucking a- crazy ass. Yeah, crazy no ass. shit. I don't know what the hieroglyphic for that is. Yeah, but uh, uh, that should have been fucking tattooed on that dude's fucking forehead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> other hobos like, stay away from that crazy fuck. Uh, right. So, so they was, found. What out, was that dude's so, name? Well, they found out in this book. They like realized, or they did through their investigation, they found out who they think that this guy actually was. Because for a long time, for many years, it was nobody knew. It was just a mystery. Yeah. Well, through this guy's investigation, he found out that uh, from what he can tell, he thinks that the man from the train was uh, a German immigrant named Paul Miller. Who, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. Do, do you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, do we all have Paul Millers? Is that like a constant thing, or is it just here in Kentucky? Do you know who, who you I'm mean? talking about? No. Paul Miller? You don't know about Paul Miller? Dude, no. Paul Miller in uh, Lexington sells fucking cars. 
Tom Miller Auto Mall or some shit like that. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. all over the place. It's just funny that dude is Paul Miller. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, his last name is spelled M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Oh, so Paul Mueller. Yeah, but it's pronounced Miller. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and apparently he had, like, fucking garbage teeth. He, like, would never open his mouth, really. And even if he did, you couldn't understand what he was saying because he hardly spoke any English. It was all German or heavy German accent. Yeah. And uh, so his first or uh, the first murder that he had was this that we know of for a fact was this uh, wealthy guy named Newton. His last name was Newton had a farm and from all accounts this newton dude was just a total fucking asshole and uh treated the people that worked for him like total shit and uh so this hobo paul miller shows up and tells him that you know he's a logger and he can cut his wood for him or whatever he hires him on and uh he's got this young daughter and he's treating him like shit and one thing leads to another and something snaps in this motherfucker and he goes into the house and annihilates their entire family by like bashing them all in the head with the back end of an axe and then that like start that was in uh 1897 and that started the like reign of fucking terror throughout the midwest for like the next you know over 20 years there was a there's been dude there's been like a dozen different people convicted and actually like put to death in that time frame for these murders and now like hindsight they look back at it and they're all like (laughs) they're all like like all these people were innocent like they didn't even none of these people did it it was all this paul miller guy Something flips in this motherfucker, goes in, annihilates this whole family that he's working for, takes off, jumps on a rail, jumps on the train, and, uh, dude, and then for the next 20 some odd years, it seems like he's just going everywhere where the railroads take him, fucking just taking out entire households. Yeah. Like entire households. That's his thing. He take he goes in and just wipes out the entire fucking family. And then and then leaves like a fucking ninja like you're talking about. Yeah. Fucking ninja's in, takes out the whole family, ninja's out. Yeah. And then so all these local all these local uh police officials and shit back then in these tiny little podunk towns. They, they don't all communicate with each other, so they don't know what's going on, you know, five towns down. Yeah. So they think, well, who the fuck killed the Johnson family, you know? And then so they think, oh, yeah. well, it's the, it's the neighbor who acts a little weird when he's in town. And they end up prosecuting yeah. and fucking putting this guy to death mm. or lynching him or some shit. Yeah. Like a dozen, at least a dozen different people were put to death or lynched because of crimes that this Paul Miller guy did. Damn. 
Yeah, I mean, that's kind yeah. of the way justice system was back then. They were like, eh, had been the weird guy lived down the street. I saw him eyeballing him. Um, that's right. <laughs> that's, uh, and like you said, man, like, yeah, they didn't really communicate. I will say this fucking guy, Paul Miller, is fucking up because he is, dude, it's like at least three or four of the rules of the hobo code of conduct. This guy's fucking up. <laughs> like he, he's not a friend of the yeah. hobo. Just fucking their shit up. No, no, he, he does not uh, partake. Although he doesn't steal from these people. Yeah, that's probably another reason why he probably never got caught because someone saw him have whatever something of theirs that was of value. Yeah, they could have put two or two together. Yeah, never stole anything from anybody. Never stole. It would just yeah. kill them by bashing their faces in with the back end of an axe. But he wouldn't steal nothing from them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He had a heart of gold. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And I think the reasons why it all stopped in 1920 was because he ended up going back to Germany. No shit. Yeah. So then, so then in 1923, there was this really famous murder that happened in Germany where an entire family on a farm was all murdered by having their heads bashed in with the back end of an axe huh. and their farm just happened to be right next to a railroad track. Yeah. And it happened like three years after he went back to Germany. Yep. Sounds like his MO. <laughs> God, God, they needed CSI back then for sure. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But yeah, I highly recommend uh, this book. If you want to check it out called the man from the train yeah. by uh, Bill James. It's on Audible if you want to listen to it. I have to check that out. I uh, I actually did find uh, the guy I was talking about who wrote the book on uh, hobos. Leroy Ray Livingston was a famous hobo author, traveled under the name A number one, like A dash N O dot one. And that was his moniker when you saw it. And he wrote books from 1910 to 1921, stuff like Life and Adventures of A Number One, Hubble Camp, Fire Tales, The Curse of Tramp Life, Trail of the Tramps, all this. Uh, some of them are pretty well known, but it kind of like gave America a story to tell about what hobo life was like and to not necessarily fear them. Because other motherfuckers are bashing people's faces in with blunt (laughs) (laughs) axe handles and shit. Um, Had to do something. They had some bad PR going. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It takes one. Just takes one to ruin it for everybody else. Yeah. One motherfucker. Yeah, there's always one. They got to ruin it. Uh, But you know what? There are still people today that travel the, the tracks. I watched these. I, I, it's funny because it was like it was a documentary these guys were like they you could tell they were in love with like the ideology of like hobo life it, you know it'd be the same thing as being a prospector back in the day like oh the the thrill of doing this and all these people are like this shit's hard like it is not what you think they they tried just even getting on a train today was so hard. They tried three different times in three different cities, and every time they got caught, 
And one of them was a professional, like one of them was kind of like their guide. And yeah. he was like, there's just, you know, there was like two guys and a cameraman and this guide. So there's four of them trying to sneak on a train and they just kept getting caught. And finally, like the cops were like, if we see you again, you're going to jail and you're going to county jail and you don't want to go to that jail. So then they go to a different city. That's the rapey jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's the extra sticky jail. Um, and then they went to the next city. Same shit happened. And they tried to explain to him like, "Well, we're not really. We're just filming a documentary." And you can tell the guy's like, "Yeah, yeah. We don't give a shit." Uh, right. But like I said, there's some hipsters out there trying to keep it alive. And he's like, "You can film your documentary by not being on my motherfucking train." <laughs> oh yeah, they, they they would say wild shit like that. They're like, "Cool, you can't be here." <laughs> <laughs> I don't see how you getting caught, like, dude, like, because these trains go through some really rural areas. There's not police yeah, well, out there. Well, they're all like in. They start in California one, and they're going to big city train tracks. Like they're going to the tracks that stop. If they just, if they did it like they, you know, if you go to like a small town that has a rail, like railroad going through it, fuck, just, now granted, the problem is they were trying to travel to a specific destination and they were like, all right, we got to get on this train to go here and then we can take, like, they're trying to map it out to get to Brit to go to the National Hobo Convention. Yeah. But if you're a real hobo, you know, you could just sit in a small town, wait, and then as soon as one comes in, just hop on that damn thing. Because, man, those things come to a crawl. And usually I'm sitting at a light trying to get through on the other side of someone's house. And I sit there for a damn hour waiting for the whole train to go by. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you're you enjoying ever... all the graffiti on the side of the cars. <laughs> I am. I'm also thinking, like, what would mine be? I want to make my own <laughs> hobo graffiti. I actually have a few pictures of uh, hobo graffiti on the side of rail cars on my Instagram somewhere. Oh, nice. I have to go back a couple years, but I got them on there. Awesome. There's a, I found a, I'm gonna make my own of one when day. I used to work uh, as a security guard, I found this room in this abandoned building that we went into and I took a picture of it and it's somewhere on Instagram too, I think, on my personal one, uh, <laughs> where the entire room, all four walls, from the floor to the ceiling were completely covered in graffiti. Nice. And like no other, and it was like this whole abandoned building and no other room in the entire building had any graffiti at all in it. Nowhere. Yeah. And then you just walk in through this one doorway and boom, this entire room is nothing but solid graffiti everywhere. <laughs> it's pretty wild. That's awesome. I took yeah, I took a picture of it. It's it's on there somewhere. It was my like background picture on Facebook for like a couple of years. Yeah. But yeah. Dude, Greasy. Uh yeah, train wreck. This is a good episode, man. Yeah, I dig <laughs> I it. I like our new I like our new nicknames. <laughs> yeah, I know. So they they so they shall be said. Yeah, that'll be at the beginning of every episode now it'll be I'm train wreck. <laughs> I'm greasy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's really slow. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Everybody listening, uh, get ready because next month is October and Ooh. we've got the How to Survive series coming back for you guys. Dun, dun, dun. It's going to be uh, fucking awesome. Oh, it's going to be amazing. We got, we got some really good How to Survives coming up. Yep. I love and, it. Uh, and then I think uh, we're going to try and do a Halloween special on Halloween night again, which we just have to figure out what haunt location yeah. we're going to be allowed into. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just jump on some tracks and see where it takes us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, next month, a lot of fucking awesome shit coming your guys' way. How to survive. Uh yeah. Are we going to give them any hints of uh, what we're, we're going to try and survive? Um, maybe we'll do this. Um, maybe not the first one, but every, I don't know, what whatever the one is right before that one, uh, we should do one hint for the next one, and then every episode we'll do a hint for the next one. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you what I'll do. I will play a song at the end of the episode that's good that will give I like that. you a that's hit good. I like that as the what the yeah. next episode is going to be in reference of that's what <laughs> we'll right. do starting with this yeah episode. sounds good to me alright yeah, yeah. alright let's do it if you want to email us at soberlistthoughts at gmail.com yeah. go ahead and send us that email and we look forward to reading it uh, all of our social media is at soberlistthoughts Unless you're on Twitter, then it's Think Soberless. That's right. Please send us... Or you can just search Soberless Thoughts. And please send us your Soberless Thoughts graffiti. We would love to get some of that in there. Oh, yeah, man. If if you've got... Dude, I want to see some graffitied up faces. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what happens when you get Soberless yeah. and you pass the fuck out. And then your friends think it's hilarious to put some of their graffiti on your face like a big dick on your cheek. Yeah, right? Yeah. that's. Send us some of those pictures. Has that ever happened to you? Alex, you ever had a big Sharpie dick on your cheek? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I have been blessed with a nice fat one on my cheek before. There you go. Uh, it just happens. <laughs> Or you can check out all the uh, old episodes, one of which Alex talks about a guy that he used to swim with that woke up with a bunch of dicks on his face. That's right. I was going to say, I was like, I told that story. Uh, that might be one for yeah. another time. Uh, check check those all out at SoberlessThoughts.com. And don't forget, when you're in the frying pan, stay cheesy, keep it greasy, flip on out. I saw Salad changing clothes. She was in a perfect pose. Sally let your brains hang down. I saw Sally bending over. She looked like a four-leaf clover. Sally let your brains hang down. Well, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. These are the things that appear the most fun. Sally's always trying to bring a good man down. Sally, change your 
Sally with my wife downtown She was wearing white and Sally's wearing brown Sally, let your brains hang down She said, Sally, can you change your ways? Sally said, I change my man every day Sally, let your brains hang down I heard Sally was getting baptized She still had that look in her eyes Sally, let your He was rich, and she got lucky He said, Sally, would you be my wife? He changed his will and he gave her his money They got married, things turned funny That man didn't last a second night And the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost Well, these are 